We're going to continue talking about the power of praise and worship. This is week three, and I got to tell you, we're going to get into some really awesome things. We're talking about how to enter into the secret place of worship. You know, we've said this, worship is not fast songs or slow songs. Worship is literally the spiritual experience. Worship happens as you come into the presence of the Lord and you make a decision to passionately pursue Him. You have to make that decision to say, flesh, I'm not going to give in to anything that's going on in my life. I'm not going to give in to to the fleshly desire to not want it, because your flesh doesn't want to worship. I'm going to make a decision to passionately pursue the presence of God. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit is able to bring a revelation of your heart, of the greatness of God, and that enables you to really praise Him. To where now, your outward expression is expressing this inner connection, this vertical connection that you have with God. And as you're doing that, as you progress, the Holy Spirit is literally leading you to a destination. Worship has a destination. That destination is the secret place. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the next couple weeks. But this secret place of worship, all of a sudden, you go from this revelation of the greatness of God to where all of a sudden... It just floods your spirit, man, with a revelation of the holiness of God. And worship is a result of that. So it's like God, as you choose to draw near to Him, what these revelations of Him are, what's happening is He's drawing near to you. He's he's helping you. it's, It's really amazing. And then as you are passionately pursuing Him with this revelation of His greatness, of His holiness... What happens is he responds. That's worship. So many believers have never experienced that. They've experienced some emotion. They've experienced some entry-level things that the anointing is affecting them a little bit. But to really experience the secret place of worship where it's you and God, one-on-one. You have no agenda other than just, I want to know you, I want to worship you. It's in that place that every call, all the gifts, the anointing, God's plan for your life, it's all revealed in that place. Everything you'll do in this earth is revealed in that place. So we want to continue to talk about that and, and actually, I want to go through a story. The next place, uh, go to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to actually uh, read this story. It's about Paul and Silas because this gives us a picture. We're starting to funnel down now. I want you to see a picture of the secret place of worship and what has happened as a result of it. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 6. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? I'm telling you this will help your faith walk. This will help everything. Everything in your life. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through, throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia, 
and were for, um, forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So here's Paul. He was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. See, he's being led by the Spirit of God. And after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So do you see, here's Paul. He's walking out God's plan for his life, and he's like, okay, maybe we're going to go over here to Asia. No, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Well, maybe, maybe we'll go over here to Bithynia. No, no, we're not supposed to do that either. And as they were passing by that place, they came down to Troas. Okay? Now look at what happened in Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So now Paul... He's been stopped by the Holy Ghost from going a couple places, and now he has a vision to go into Macedonia. You would just be like, wow. I had this vision. I'm going to go into Macedonia. It is going to be the greatest ministry experience of my life. Right? And it says, and after he had seen the vision, immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia. Hmm. They all had to agree to do this. So who was it? Luke is the author of Acts, right? So it would have been, we all is Luke, Silas, and Paul. Right? So, or I'm sorry, yeah. It's Paul, Paul and Barnabas. So here we go. We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So they were sure that they were to go and preach the gospel. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to that place, and the next day to, right, to that place, right? <laughs> so I, I would say this stuff, but I, I want you to be focused on all this. And I, you know, Neapolis, I guess I could say that one, right? And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now look at this, verse 13. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. Hmm. Notice that they went to a place where people were praying. If you want a visitation, that'll draw it. Right? Interesting. And they sat down and spoke unto the women, the women that resorted thither, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, look at this, whose heart, was, whose heart the Lord opened. Isn't that awesome? See, she worshiped God, and the Lord opened her heart. Hmm. I wonder if that's a principle. Do you know so many Christians don't know who they are because the Lord's never been able to open their heart because they've never really got over themselves and just focused on Him. They've bought the lie of this world and they're seeking things in the world which is all passing away. But the Lord opened her heart 
and that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If we have judged thee to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Notice, so now Paul is doing ministry, and this, this young girl who had a spirit of divination, we call that a familiar spirit. So there's a demon that started, she came to Paul. I wonder if the enemy might have sent her. Right? So, so all of a sudden you have a vision of going someplace. You're all pumped. You're thinking the blessing of God. See, we're word of faith people. So we just think that there's this place of ecstasy that once we step into faith, it's just all, let's just float on a cloud like pastor does. Right? But all of a sudden in the midst of it, you have this, this demon-possessed young girl who starts saying some things and it just kind of grates at you. Kind of like every time the enemy is throwing thoughts. It'll cause, he's trying to cause fear, anxiety. He's trying, you know, whatever he's, it's all, it's all steal, kill, and destroy. So now here she is. And uh, let, me, let me get back here. So they went to prayer, a damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by saying. So there were some guys that were making a lot of money from this girl. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. You know, on, on the surface you'd think, so what's wrong with that? But it doesn't matter what Satan says to you. It's all death with him. Right? It, won't, it can't produce life, and it will grate at you. If you've ever been in the presence of anybody who's demon-possessed, you know it. I remember the first time that happened to me, we went to see a lady in a mental institution. And, and there was probably 200 patients in this room, and we, I had never met her, and I was with uh, the associate pastor, and we went in this place, it was in Southern California, and we walked in, and Jim, the, the, the associate pastor, was with me. He goes, man, I wonder who she is. And I looked across the room, I said, she's right there. And he's like, what? I go, yeah, that's her right there. And I, so I point, you know. I notice I'm pointing up, I'm not pointing at anybody, right? Okay. <laughs> So you just know, right? When I taught a college and career ministry, it was in a church that was right off the 405 freeway in California, and it was a Friday night. It was interesting, some of the people we'd have come off. Wow, right? You know, you just, you just, you, person walks in and, you know, wanting something, and you could just tell everything about them is not right, right? And so I'd always make them, I'm like, yeah, I'll give you money. I'll give you 20 bucks, so you just have to stay. I'll give it to you after the service. They'd never make it through about the first three minutes of worship, and then I'd go out there with them and uh, you know, just try to see if they wanted to be free. But I didn't have any luck with that one. But anyway, so they, she's following, 
And this she did many days. So she did this many days. Could you imagine I'm preaching and all of a sudden there's this demon-possessed person that's in our service and is crying out during the whole service, disrupting things. Thank God that Sicilian anointing would kick in with me in addition. <laughs> and, and, and we would just very lovingly remove them, right? You know? But anyway, no. And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit. Now notice, he's led by the Spirit of God, so he put up with this. But then it got to the point to where he's grieved and he's like, no more. And he command, he, look at what he said. He turned and said to the Spirit, didn't say to, anything to the girl, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and she came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Interesting. you got to know this. The kingdom of God is invading the earth. That's why we're here. You know, we're to use the name of Jesus to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. Right? Why? We want to overtake all that the devil has stolen and taken. We do it in the name of Jesus. Right? So now, it, they're, they're standing there, and I've been in Philippi. I've stood at this Bema seat where the judge would sit, where Paul and Silas were brought, and then also... I've been by the ruins of the jail where they were taken. It's right there in Philippi. Interesting. So it says, And to teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, commanded to beat them. Now think about this. They went there because of a vision. They're having great success in this town, and then all of a sudden, good feeling gone. Right? So now, they're starting to be pressed. This happens to you and I, doesn't it? You come to church, and man, you have, a, you have this experience with God in worship, and then, you know, your favorite pastor in the world? Yes. Good-looking guy, Right? <laughs> He brings this anointed word, and you're just going, life is good. And then by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, bam, something's starting to happen. This is why this story is in here, right? This is why this story is in here. So what this is telling me is we're about to find out what is inside Paul, right? So... So now the multitude rose up against, uh, together against them. The magistrates, they rent their clothes, commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now I've been, I've, I've had spankings by parents that loved me with a switch but I've never been beaten with rods. That just does not sound exciting at all, right? Let alone, I'm sure the jail cells were probably not as nice 
as they are today, right? And it says here, verse 14, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Wow. Look at that. And made their feet fast in the stocks. But look at what happened in verse, 20, in verse 25 here. And at midnight, or in other words, at the darkest hour, at the very pinnacle, they're beaten, they're hurting, they're tired, they're shackled, they have, they, they can't, they, they've lost their freedom, all because of something the enemy who they have authority over did. They could have given into their flesh and said, Why, God? Right? Paul, instead of writing the book of Romans, could have wrote what we write today. Why do bad things happen to good people? And we talk about nonsense like, well, you know, God will use the enemy to teach his kids and all which is not in the Bible. No, no, but at midnight, look at what happened here. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. The reason why he'd kill himself is because he would be put to death for that. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we're all here. Notice all these prisoners who heard them when their shackles fell off and when the doors opened, because of the move of God and the presence of God, they didn't leave. Right? We're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang up. So, I mean, think about this. He called for a light. That means it was completely dark. Have you ever been just in a completely dark place? Right? Man, my wife laughs at me. Like, um, when I first went to visit where she grew up in Fairfield, Iowa, I flew from California there and... uh, went down this gravel road out in the country, this beautiful piece of property. But, you know, here's a guy, throw me in the middle of any city, I'm good. But in the country, Jeanette's like, what's wrong at night? I'm like, man, it's like dark out here. And she just laughs at me. She's like, she just laughs at me because I'm like, man, it's just so dark. But could you imagine it's totally dark? What I'm trying to get to see is give you a picture they couldn't see themselves. There was no anointed worship team. They were not sitting in air conditioning. And yet, in the midst of a horrible situation, they went beyond how they were feeling. And they, out of their spirit, man, entered into the secret place of worship and prayed and sang praises in the secret place of worship, and it impacted everyone around them, not only them. So let's keep going with this. Then he called 
for a light. I love that. See, God's always turning things around. And sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they must have been praising and praying. I mean, they must have been doing something talking about, Oh, Father, for other people's salvation. They must have been saying some things that were spurring people on to get saved. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved in your house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Wow. So through their praise and through their prayer, the jailer heard enough to where he wanted to be saved. This is an interesting story. This story is a picture of worship. Don't, don't ever minimize worship. Most believers are not going to fulfill the call and the plan that God has for their life because they'll get sidetracked through pride, self-centeredness, fear, inability to see things as they really are. They're just seeing things as they seem. Uh, they, 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 get off, they get sidetracked by thinking it's all about them and it's not. I mean, all these guys up here, man, they could sing. Wow, do they sing beautifully and play beautifully? But take the anointing out of it. Right now, if you take the anointing out of what I'm saying, it's just words that will make no impact. You guys will be like, hey, what are we doing here? You'd all just be like, hey, what? You know, I, I got to go. Pastor, love you. See ya. Right? I'd be with you because I'm like, ugh. But this is a picture of worship. Paul and Silas changed from praising with a horizontal perspective into vertical worship. There was two different arenas of focus here. The horizontal, this is the realm of self and all its circumstances and all of its needs. Right? That it included in that is ministry to others and their needs, doing things on God's behalf, a horizontal, horizontal arena. But it went into a vertical arena. This is the worshiper's realm, the area where now I am personally connected to the Father. The secret place realm is what this place is. The area of ministering to God not just doing things for him. This is where you must live. To be honest with you, you're not going to do much for him or for others if you aren't ministering to him. Why? Because it's in this place. It's in this place that I get empowered to do this. Tomorrow at work. You don't have to say a word. You're just working. 
But because of this, there will be a fragrance coming off of you that will draw people to the Lord. You won't get mixed up and think that I'm down today or this or that. You'll stop telling yourself or asking yourself how you feel and you'll start telling yourself how you feel. Why? Because you've had deposits made in you from being connected with him in worship in this secret place. Some believers live their entire lives in the horizontal without ever truly experiencing the vertical. There's ministers that, that never have experienced the vertical. They don't even know. And they're wondering why they're having so much trouble with the horizontal. Because they're looking for people to make them feel good. They're looking for money to tell them that they're blessed. They're looking at their budget, whether or not God's moving. Instead of, see, I can't give you what I don't have. Where do I get it from him? This is a key in every one of ours life. This is a clear portrayal of moving from praise into individual, fervent, resolute, unwavering worship. They were beaten. They were at the end of their physical rope. They're in darkness. They're hurting, right? When you get beaten with rods, I mean, you're bleeding. There could be infection, because I'm sure, you know, they're not really, I don't, I don't think they probably clean the inner prison as well as they even clean the outer prison, right? So, so here they are, but they went from horizontal to vertical, in their darkest hour, and it changed everything. It changed everything in their life. The steadfast focus of Paul and Silas's heart was on God. Can you do that? You can. It's who you are. In the midst of whatever you're in today, you can be in a complete place of freedom anytime you want. As a matter of fact, you could live there. And as you live connected to him in a place of freedom, guess what happens when you go back to this horizontal? All things now are possible. Now, while you're here, you realize God is here working all this mess out that maybe you created. Right? Helping you change. Helping you see things. Now, here's something. One of the greatest churches in the New Testament was birthed in this dungeon, in this secret place. Wow. True worship, now the Lord spoke this to me years ago, is the foundation upon which true evangelism must be built. You know, we are really strong our, our vision is reaching people, changing lives. We are, we are pretty strong at helping people change lives. If they want to, this is a place where you can come and grow up spiritually if you want to. But I got to tell you, the key to getting that reaching people part, the key to it is yours and my individual worship. That's where we are empowered. 
If we're not like this, whenever we get in front of people and the Lord starts stirring us to witness, the first thing you're going to give into, it's the first thought that always hits your mind. What are they going to think? That might be the first thing. The other first thing could be, what am I going to say? Well, gosh, what if they ask me a question that I don't know? That's good. When you're full here, you tell yourself to shut up. And you just get out of the boat. Do you know somebody who's spiritually dead? Knows nothing about God. So you, by default, are the, a foremost expert. Right? But if you get in your flesh, you'll get all afraid. I'm telling you guys, there's a dynamic that'll change your life forever. And here's the thing, you don't change your life. I am so glad I finally realized I don't have to change anything. Not only that, I can't. But oh, as I just passionately pursue him, I'm literally changed. And what, what's going on on the inside starts showing up on the outside in the form of discipline and strength and joy and peace and all of these things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Do you notice how this is a worship scripture? Seek those things which are above, vertical where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections. This Greek word affection is the word for mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. We are to set. I, the spirit man, Tony, set my mind on things above. In other words, I say, mind, this is what I'm going to think. If my flesh is telling me or these thoughts are hitting me, you can't do this, you're depressed, you're sad, you're in fear. No, I am going to set my mind on things above. I can do all things through Christ. I have been given authority in the name of Jesus. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am his righteousness and therefore a peace that flows out of righteousness keeps me free from fear, anxiety, depression, terror, all this stuff. Oh, will you have some great opportunities? Oh, yeah, but just don't take them. And this is telling us you don't have to take them. In the Song of Solomon, you don't have to turn there, part of this verse in verses 13 and 14, Song of Solomon 2, verse 13 and 14, it talks about, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Verse 14, where am I going to go? Into or in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places. This is talking about the secret place of worship. God is drawing you there. When Paul and Silas set their heart on God, deliverance came. Could it be that we have people that are quoting scripture and quoting scripture or whatever or not in church and they're not being delivered and they don't read their Bible because it doesn't work and I don't pray because I don't see any power in it and all of it is happening because they've never set their heart on God so they've never experienced his presence. Yes. 
Don't get down on a fellow believer if they do you wrong or say wrong things. Pray for them. And if you live in that secret place of worship, there is a love for your fellow believers in your heart that will cause you to take the hits, do whatever, be despitefully used, and you keep praying in faith that they get to a place because thank God, I am so thankful that God brought me to that place of worship. Otherwise, I would have never known. I would, I would love to take you to that place. But I can teach you how to get there, but you have to make a decision to go. Because there are things that God wants to speak to you that he won't ever speak to another human being, ever. He is your father. You are his child. He knows you. He knows everything about every part of the plan that he has for your life. Not only here, but in eternity. And he, it only is going to be discovered as you give yourself and set your affection on him. The all-consuming passion of worship transformed their dungeon into a secret place audience with the Most High God of the universe. Isn't that amazing? It literally, their, their passion for him and you might say, but yeah, but pastor, I'm sitting here. There is no passion. Right. It's because you've been feeding on the wrong thing. If you'll start feeding on the right thing, start feeding on him, that passion will be there because if you're a believer, it's, it's who you are. And the more you feed, the hungrier you'll get to where you passionately pursue. And he will change your place from this place of defeat into a place where you have an audience with him in a secret place and deliverance comes and freedom comes and peace comes. This is the foundation of your faith walk. Faith literally works by love. The first revelation is you have to know God loves you. You'll never know that if you don't passionately pursue him. Because see, he would have to violate your will to, to force his love upon you and he can't do that. Second Chronicles, I'm just going to read some verses to you. Just write them down for time's sake. Second Chronicles 16.9. Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. God is looking for that. Well, let's break this down. God is looking to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? Because he wants to show himself strong. This word strong in the Hebrew language means he wants to strengthen you, sustain you, and encourage you. The eyes of God are looking forward, looking all over the earth to see who he can strengthen, who he can sustain, who he could encourage. Do you ever need encouragement? Nobody will encourage you like God. As a matter of fact, if you surround yourself with good friends who love God, all the encouragement you get from them, guess where it's from? Him. All they're doing is giving what they have. And it says to strengthen, sustain, and encourage in the behalf of those whose heart 
is perfect towards him. Now, this word perfect in the Hebrew language does not mean flawless. It literally means fully committed. Who can God sustain, strengthen, and encourage? Only those whose heart is fully committed to him. So if your heart is fully committed to you, you're going to live life on this level. But here's the good news. Today, you can make a decision. See, this is what Satan doesn't want you to know. You could have lived as a Christian your whole life and you've never been fully committed to him and make a decision right now. Okay, that's it. God, I am fully committed to you in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, I really have no idea how to do that. So I just, but you are here to lead me into all the truth. So here I am. I'm not going to say no to you. What do you want me to do? Right? Now, now that's going to be hard on your flesh. You might have to give up a little internet stuff or you might have to give up a little YouTube stuff or whatever. You might have to spend a little less time on Facebook. Right. right? You might have to rearrange who your close friends are. Because you're never going to passionately pursue him if you're around people who don't passionately pursue him. I'd like to tell you you could, but you won't. Right? But if you'll do that, then the God of heaven, he will encourage you. He'll strengthen you and he will sustain you. Now, the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. I wonder if we need God sustaining us in the fight of faith. What is the fight of faith? Is it against Satan? No, he's defeated. The fight of faith is to stay at rest. God will sustain you from the time you believe that you receive something he said he's already given you until the time you see it in your body. Through faith and patience we obtain the promises. I need him to sustain me. When the enemy's attacking and coming illegally, I need, to, I need his sustaining power. Because I'm telling you, God never sleeps. He never slumbers. His power never wanes. He'll never leave me. He'll never fail me. He'll never forsake me. I need that. It is impossible, impossible to experience this hidden place of his presence and not be changed and not carry away and, and literally an eternal impartation. It's impossible when you go into his presence for you not to be changed. You will be changed. And you will carry away an eternal impartation from him. What is that? That's a residue of his presence. He is life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. How do we get that life? The life is in his son. So now I passionately pursue him and I've got this constant residue of his presence, this impartation of his sustaining, strengthening power that helps me. The Bible is filled with promises 
all of these promises have a condition attached to them. If you do this, then God will do this. You'll prosper and be in health condition even as your soul prospers. So you have a part to play. What is that part? You have to choose. God, I'm going to passionately pursue you. I'm going to be fully committed to you. What does that look like in your life? Nobody else can tell you what that looks like. Nobody else has to tell you. You already know. As you're sitting here listening to this, every one of you know, everyone listening online know the one thing they have to do next, right now. If, if you have ears to hear. If you're up to here with yourself and you're not receiving, well, that's a different thing. But don't worry about that. God will never give up on you. Just keep coming, keep listening. Man, I'm so glad I always ran to him. So, so very important. Isaiah, I love this. Isaiah 40, 31, another wonderful worship scripture. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord. This word wait means to stay in a place of expectation. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wow. They that stay in a place of expectancy. See, this is what happens when you reach the destination of worship. And now he's imparting things into you. When you, when you leave and go... Now, you stay in this place of expectation. That residue keeps you in the place. Have you ever believed God for something and just let go of it? You won't do that in this place. You will literally, you'll stand in the strength of the Lord and say, I love this saying by Pastor Hagen. I cannot be defeated, and I will never quit. Why? Is he boasting in himself? Nope. It's because I'm connected to him. I'm in fellowship with him. I'm in his presence. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Matthew chapter 5 in verse 6 says this. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. John 7.37 says it this way. At the end of this verse, John 7.37 says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That's worship. Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. This longing of the heart for God's presence is the cornerstone, the foundation on which God desires to frame and build our lives. Let me say that again. This longing of the heart, the longing of yours and my heart for God's presence, 
is the cornerstone. It is the foundation on which God desires to frame and build your life. It's passionately pursuing Him. See, this is not a religion. This is a relationship with the God of heaven, and you are a one-of-a-kind child of God set here for such a time as this to show the world Jesus, to yield eternal fruit, and to be blessed as you go. Oh, God wants, he wants to hold you up to the world and so that the world can see Jesus. That's the only way they're going to see Jesus. And Jesus isn't this, he's not this, right now, he's not this judgmental God that's out to get somebody. No, 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 no. No, he loves people. He, he literally wants to give them life. There's nothing separating anybody on this planet from him because Jesus removed it all. And in the age of the dispensation of grace, he's no longer standing as the righteous judge of all the earth ready to get somebody. No, no, no. Now there will be a time once, once the church age is over, the tribulation happens, the millennial reign of Christ, there's going to be a time when the graves and the earth will all be emptied. And those that don't know him will stand before the righteous judge of all the earth. And they will give an account for every sin. That won't be us because our sins are already forgiven. We received it. But they will have to be judged for all the sin. What's so sad that Jesus already paid for. But they rejected that. I wonder if maybe a lot less people would reject it now if they can see who Jesus really is. And that, that's going to be through us. See, people need to know God is a God. He is long-suffering. Aren't you glad he's long-suffering? Aren't you glad he never gave up on you? I mean, we talk about God being mad. He can't possibly be mad at you. Because he condemned all of your sin in the body of Jesus. And that word condemned in the Greek is a once and for all irreversible thing. He doesn't see you in sin because you're not in it. And once you see that, and you see it's all because you've been made righteous because of his love for you, because of the grace of God, it'll enable you and empower you to walk free from sinful and unrighteous behavior. You'll sit there and go, I want no part of that. This is much better. But most people have not tasted so they don't see that God is good. you from doing what I've called you to do. Joshua 1.5. Here we fast forward. Joshua's in a battle. Sun's going down. They're winning the battle. He knows it's God's will that they win the battle because the, the battle's, you know, right? The land's already theirs. But the sun's going down, and he doesn't want to wait. Because when the sun goes down, back then they didn't have night goggles, so they just all broke, went back to their camp next morning, got a good night's sleep, ate some breakfast, got up and started fighting again. But Joshua looked up at the sun and, and said, stand still. He had enough faith, he was fully persuaded and it says that was the first day that God hearkened to a man. 
God had to stop the whole universe. And Joshua was not born again. He didn't have the Spirit of God living in him. Man, I'm telling you, I am looking at a bunch of just world-dominating overcomers. Because we have the Spirit of God in us. Oh, man, I'm telling you, if you'll get your heart full of the Word and change what you say and hang on to it, forget how you feel, because I'm telling you, you tell yourself how, how you feel. And I'm telling you, eventually, oh, you'll feel. Right? Because all of a sudden, in the midst of a storm, you're going to be at rest. Because you'll be like, hey, the same God that came through here and came through here and came through here, he's going to come through again. Always. That's what God wants to do for you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, now look at the spirit of faith. I believed, and therefore... I have spoken. So the spirit of faith believes in the heart and speaks out of what he believes in the heart. That's all it is. Just the same way Jesus did, the same way Joshua did, the same way Moses did, the same Abraham, all this stuff, that spirit of faith, we have it. Isn't that amazing? We also believe and therefore speak. There's one truth you got to know. If you believe, you will speak. So meditate in the word day and night. Get those scriptures. The Holy Spirit will give you two or three perfect scriptures for your situation and start speaking them and meditate on them. Carry them with you in your pocket. Write them down. Put them on your phone. Speak them over your life all day. And because when you peer into the Word, you'll start seeing it. And what happens if you have the spirit of faith, this is what's going to happen to you. Just go to verse 18. This is what will happen. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. See, when you have the spirit of faith, you will now only look at things which are not seen. And it says here, for the things which are seen are temporal. Now this is a cool Greek word because it literally means subject to change. If you can see it, it is subject to change. Go have a CT scan. Go have an MRI. And if they can show you that, just rejoice. Now, it might freak them out. And you don't have to tell them what you're a believer or whatever. Praise God. Thank you. Man, look at that tumor. That's awesome. I can actually see it. And you walk away going, subject to change. Right? But look, it got to keep going. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's define that. They are not subject to change. All the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen. Boy, Satan hates this message. 